By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. Rylagek Bertrand, king of the Isle of Warton, sat at his table and drank from his flagon of mead. His mind wandered as he thought about what had happened in the previous day. Several of his ships had been destroyed by the Mininaga, and now he was forced to take action. For too long, many of his ships and many of his people had fallen victim to the merciless Naga, the merman-like people who lived in the depths, who worshipped the god of the tides. He refused to join the Order of Xylene, but now he may not have a choice. The future of his kingdom and the souls of his citizens were at stake. For many a generation, the Isle of Wartan provided fish for the bulk of Urine. Their fishermen were adept and their sailors were very skilled at getting the fish and the rest of the products to the mainland. Wartan was very profitable. Its location provided it many resources. However, the Mertrand family's diplomacy is how the Isle of Wartan was able to remain fiercely independent. A light tap on the door grabbed Rylegek's attention. He looked up from his desk and turned his head toward the door to see Sonier, one of his many advisors, looking in at him from the doorway. My lord, I have more news from the harbor. Two of our ships did not make it back unscathed. It appears the Naga are increasing the volatility of their attacks. Rylegek fumed loudly at the sound of Sonier's voice. He hated hearing the bad news, but he knew he needed to hear it. It was his job as king to ensure that all of the ships that went out were prepared to defend themselves. Tell me, Sonier, did we take any casualties? He asked. No, my lord. Every sailor that went out did come back. None of our citizens have made it to the scales today. Rylegek took in a deep breath and calmed down. Though his nerves were on edge, he knew at least he achieved this one mission. Every one of his citizens made it back, and no one made it to the scales. No one would receive Vesia's judgment today. Then perhaps you can give me some more news then, Sonye. Did we send any of those merman bastards to the scales instead? I'd like to think we at least sent something there. Sonye laughed. Unfortunately, no, sir. No one made it to Vesia's chambers today. Rylegek shook his head in disbelief. And I suppose there's not much good news then today. Was the hall at least something worthwhile? Sonia continued to pause and remain stoic. My lord, the hall was just as it always is. So long as we can get it to the mainland, we will be profitable once again. Rylegek nodded and remained still. He took a moment to compose himself before pushing himself away from the table and rising to his feet. He turned toward Sonia and looked at her. Her disposition was still as stoic as ever, but her appearance was weathered. For the many years that she and her family had served the Rylegeks, age had finally caught up with her. The stress of being the royal vizier, the number one lieutenant to the king, was something that Sonye and her family had treasured. However, while her children were killed by Naga, her grandson, Skare, had become quite a warrior and was someone who was very dependable to the Mertrans. Skare was viewed one day to assume the mantle of the royal vizier, even though it was something he detested. He much preferred to sail on the ships with Eblis Mertrand, the son of Rylegek and the man who was destined to become the next king. Both were gifted warriors, and both were skilled at destroying the Merman Naga. They were close friends and very capable allies. Whenever the two warriors would go out, the halls were bountiful. The Naga stood no chance against them. 
They were both very skilled and able to defend the entire ships, just the two of them. This led to them being targeted, but it never worked. They were always able to defeat the Naga and make sure the ships made it home safely. Sonia looked at Rylagek and folded her arms across her chest. My lord, there is something I wish to discuss with you. It's something that I've been meaning to discuss with you for quite some time. Rylagek held his pose and nodded. Go on. What is it? What can I help you with? My lord, it is my job to advise you in all things Dunai. Xylene and his Naga are not going to stop until we are either serving them by bending our knee and giving them tribute, or until we bend our will to another god. It might be time to offer our services to another. It might be time to finally consider breaking our pact of neutrality. Sonye, I don't know if that's such a good idea, countered Rylagek. Since the founding of Dunai and the founding of the Isle of Wartan, my family has made it a point to not join any of the deities. We've kept ourselves neutral from all of their orders and we have been able to remain vibrant and thriving. Why would I take the time now to join one of the orders? Rylagek's passion was on full display as Sonye remained stoic. She knew this was going to be his response. However, it was her job to always bring up the things that would make him think, and the things that would challenge him. It was ultimately Rylagek's decision. However, she needed to at least give him all the facts so that he had come to a proper position. My lord, I'm not saying that we should just jump into bed with one of the other gods, but I am saying that maybe it would be wise to form an alliance. Sonia raised her eyebrows and kept her eyes focused on Rylagek. Please, at least consider for the sake of our safety. Perhaps Dahar or even Phalaris could protect us from Xylene. Rylagek laughed openly at the thought. Dahar is too worried about her deserts and Phalaris couldn't protect the blades of grass beneath our feet. What makes you think they could stop the Naga and Xylene? Sonye remained calm, stoic, and shrugged her shoulders. My lord, I don't know. But I think it might be time to ask what they could do. Maybe we should send an envoy to Bryle. Maybe we should send someone to Shorek. Perhaps there's something we could do. Rydlegek scoffed openly. I'd almost rather send an envoy to Teardret to see what Darilius could do. He's one of the few gods that I perceive to not have any motives, with the exception of putting his thumbs on the scale to keep himself entertained. Sonye chuckled softly at the thought. It was no secret that Darilius liked to keep himself entertained. He was typically always watching, or at least one of his followers were. Then perhaps that would be a good start, sir. Maybe we should send an envoy to Teardret. Maybe he could at least give us some good advice. Rylagek took in a deep breath of the cool air. Fine. Fine. Prepare your son to go to Teardret. He can commune with Darilius and his high priest, and perhaps we could arrange some type of an alliance. However, I'm very skeptical that the god of intellect and knowledge could do anything for us. Sonye smiled briefly. My lord, I doubt he can either. But at least it's a start. Perhaps Sylene, knowing we are at least talking with other gods, might take advantage of staying away from us for a little bit. He might see that we are preparing to strike back and defend ourselves a bit more fruitfully. The two remained silent for a brief moment. You're right, as always, Sonye. Perhaps Xylene would take the hint. Todandic sighed deeply as he looked over his recruits. All of the new Naga, young Mermen, stood with their spears and shields ready for battle. I was truly hoping our lord would provide me with better soldiers than what he has displayed before me, he said to all of them aloud. Each of the new recruits grimaced at the sound of his voice. 
They did not appreciate his chastising, but it was not their place to fight back. He was their superior by the decree of their lord Xylene, the god of the tides. Todendic turned and looked at them all. I wish to convey a single message to each and every one of you, the same message that I have conveyed to those before you. In the grand scheme of things, in all of Dunai, you are nothing. You are fodder. You are only meant to serve. Your souls and your essence are easily replaceable. With this, know that there is no fear that you should display. Your life, your essence, is meant to serve Xylene, and I will ensure that that happens. The recruits continued to look on with disdain. The sound of Todandic's voice and his message brought them displeasure. Todandic, however, had no care for them. His only concern was his mission and to serve Xylene. He turned around and began to walk out of the room. The week today will be sent to the scales, he announced firmly with his back to the recruits. Only the strong will survive and only the strong will serve. Now get to it. He walked forward and left the room, closing the door behind him and going up toward a small table. On it were several small pieces of paper and parchment, along with a few bound tomes and scrolls. He unrolled one of the scrolls and looked at it very closely, studying its print before looking up at the shadows before him. Across the room, an olive-skinned man walked out, carrying a trident. Do you get pleasure from talking down to the Naga? he asked. Todandic bowed his head solemnly. My lord, I only get pleasure when I see that your needs are met and that you are served correctly, he replied. Todandic was very dutiful in his mission. He had to serve Xylene at all costs, per his mandate. As a god-touched servant, if he chose not to serve Xylene, his life would be void and his essence would be shattered. He had to serve at all costs, but he did so willingly and he did so dutifully. He was proud to be a representative of Xylene. It was something that he always yearned for, even since his days as a priest. Xylene gripped his trident and placed the butt of it on the ground. He leaned forward, pressing all of his weight on it. The Naga serve me, just as they follow your commands. Maybe you should treat them with a little bit more respect. Todandic placed both of his palms on the table and locked his eyes on Xylene. My lord, the Naga are a means to an end. They are dutiful soldiers, and they are very powerful in mass. However, their only purpose in life is to serve you. If their death accomplishes that, then the mission is fulfilled. Xylene remained stoic as he leaned on his trident. I see you still have that disdain, though. Even though their death could be a means to an end, at least they are fulfilling something. They are serving me nonetheless. The tone of Xylene's voice became a bit more aggressive. I understand that you have a different opinion than I do on the Naga, but I need you to at least have a respect for their essence. They do serve a purpose, and they do serve me. Todandic left his hands on the table and appeared solemn. My lord, I apologize if I have upset you. It's just that the Naga have been frustrating me lately. Every time I send them to do something, there is always an abject repercussion. The mission is never truly fulfilled. I always have to send more to clean up the mess, or I always have to send more than what is required. Xylene leaned up from his trident. His bracers on his wrist were reflecting the small light in the room. What do you mean? he asked. Todandic took a deep breath and composed himself. It's quite simple, my lord. There are several ports that we are attacking regularly. 
where normally I could send a single garrison, now I'm having to send two. I send the first one to actively attack, and they do a great deal of damage. However, it's to the point I'm having to send a second one. This is not very efficient. This is making me have to rethink our grand plans. In the past, I could send a single garrison to ransack a port. They would get the message and we would get a great deal of goods. Now I'm having to send a second garrison to fulfill the mission because the people are well aware of what's going on. Over time, they become aware of our strategies. They're aware of our ranks. They're aware of how powerful we are and they know how to deter us. We are still achieving our objectives, but we're having to use much more force. Many Naga are dying because of this. My lord, I don't look at them with hatred or disdain. Until they become stronger, I will look at them as a means to an end. Until they become stronger and more capable, they will be fodder and they need to realize this. I unfortunately cannot protect them from the scales. Xylene closed his eyes and appeared contrite. He mulled over to Dandic's words to himself. Keeping things away from the scales is really the ultimate goal. I don't like the idea of the other gods getting my followers' essence. Xylene paused for a moment and folded his arms across his chest while keeping his hand on his trident. The small lights in the room accented his features, including his well-manicured beard and neat hair. His olive skin was exposed through the opening in his tunic, and around his neck, the collar was still vibrant even with the lack of illumination. Todandic, I understand your concerns, but we still must achieve our goals. We must still achieve all of my ambitions, and we must still achieve supreme domination. I will not rest until every other god is under my thumb. They will bend to my will, and you will help me do it through the Naga. Do you understand me? Todandic looked down at the desk and composed himself. The message from Xylene was clear. He had to achieve his goals. Of course, my lord. I understand you. Todandic's response was solemn. He knew his orders, and he knew what had to be achieved. My lord, what of the Isle of Wartan? What are we to do with them? They've been a thorn on our side for far too long, and I'm having to send several garrisons to deal with them. Perhaps you could give me some advice on how we can finally put them under our thumb. Xylene remained calm while gripping his trident. What of them? What of Rylagek and his family? Why will they not bend the knee like the rest of the islands to the north? Todandic sighed loudly. My lord, I wish I knew. We've been attacking their ships for years. We've been attacking the port. But unfortunately, they will not surrender. They will not bend the knee. They possess a will that is almost unmatched. Xylene exhaled loudly through his nostrils upon hearing the message from Todandic. I suppose it might be time to find out what their inner weakness is. Perhaps it might be time for you to go undercover. Perhaps it might be time for you to finally show just what your true powers are, Todandic. The God-touched servant sighed loudly. If that is what you wish, my lord, then that is what will be done. I will find out what their weakness is, and I will make sure that we exploit it. Scare closed his eyes and composed himself. He had just received his mission from Rylagek, his king. For the first time in his life, he was leaving the Isle of Orton. He was leaving the comforts of home. He was leaving the sanctuary that he had always known. I don't even know what to pack, he said as he looked in the sack. Scare sighed loudly as he tried to prepare. His sandy blonde hair was well kept, and his clothing was very well worn. It had a few tatters and tears, but only because of what his position was. 
On the Isle of Wartan, he was a warrior. He protected the ships while they were out at sea, and he would make sure they would all come back to harbor. He did not have clothing that was suited for dignitaries. He only had what he wore to fight. He took his job seriously, and he loved what he did. He killed the pirates that tried to steal their goods. He killed the Naga that tried to kill the people. Scare was ruthless, but loved. He enjoyed what he did, and he took it seriously. Now, by the orders of his king, Rylagek Mertrand, he was being sent to a faraway land. He looked over in the corner of the room to see Evelis Mertrand, the prince of the Isle of Wartan, looking over at him. What do I wear to Teardret? asked Scare. Evelis laughed loudly. I'm sure as long as you don't show up naked, they will not have anything to fuss about. Scare rolled his eyes and scoffed. I mean it, Evelis. What do I wear for these dignitaries? What do I wear for a high priest? What do I wear for the archmage? Evelis continued to laugh. How am I supposed to know? I've only left this island a few times, and never once have I met with the archmage of Teardret. I can't think of many times that I've even met with a dignitary, let alone the ruler of a large city. That feat is typically reserved for my dad or your grandmother. Scare turned his head up toward the ceiling and sighed loudly. Maybe I should ask her. Perhaps she would know what to wear. Or maybe you could ask your sister. Doesn't she typically meet with the dignitaries? Scare was referring to Ebelis' sister, Elise Mertrand, the princess of the Isle of Wartan. Doesn't she have an entire wardrobe devoted to meeting heads of state? Ebelis glanced down his nose at Scare. Do you want to borrow one of her dresses? Should I go ask her? He patronized. I don't think the two of you are the right size, though. I also don't think you could pull off the look. I hear from the other villagers that she looks great in pale colors, and frankly, you are rather ugly in anything. The two continued to banter while Scare packed his bags. His mind was still drifting away on what he would do in Teardret and how he would approach the Archmage as well as the High Priest. It was very uncommon for anyone from the Isle of Wartan to discuss anything with any dignitaries of a religious faction. Teardret was a unique situation, though, because the Archmage was also equal to the High Priest. In many situations, the High Priest would function separately from any of the local magistrate. Teardret, however, they were almost one and the same. Though they were two people, they were both equal in the eyes of Darilius. Evelis stepped out of the corner and approached Scare. Look, my father would not be sending you if he did not think you were capable. You can do this. I believe in you. Even if your clothes look like they just got out from under the floor. Scare tilted his head in confusion. How would my clothes have gotten underneath the floor? Evelis chuckled and folded his arms across his chest. For as many tatters are there, they had to have come from between the floorboards. Scare rolled his eyes and continued to pack his best tunics and pants. I suppose you're right. Most everything that I wear is suitable for battle, not for dignitaries. I'll have to make it work. Evelis nodded. You will, and you'll do just fine. But do take what I'm about to tell you to heart. This is some of the best advice I will ever give you, said Evelis as he prepared himself. Scare looked on intently. Go on, he said. When you prepare to kiss the Archmage's ass... At least ask that he clean it first. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. 
We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.